Back in the building. We live. Yeah, missed out last week. No, man. Yeah. Where you been, man? Hey, I, I've been alive. <laughs> I've been here. Shoot. I know it wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't <laughs> your fault. We did miss last week, man. Yeah. You know. We got the streets starving. Yeah, yeah. We starving a block, you know. The hottest podcast on planet Earth. Yeah, most infamous. Yeah, you know. We, we let y'all know we had to go back and get some more cook up. Right. Some of that raw, uncut. <laughs> I was in the lab cooking up that work. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, I'm making beats, man. I'm having fun. I saw you over there posting and sharing. I'm having shit. fun, man. Yeah. Yo, man. Yeah, you should have been making beats, I know, man. I know. I remember mad years ago, you was catching loops and like, yo, this. I was like, yeah, man. You had a crate like a while ago. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, five, oh, six. I feel I like. know. I just didn't get the equipment and, you know, just being yeah. fucking lazy. That's mad easy, man. It's yeah. a good hobby, too. It's like, yeah. Oh, I'm bored. Let me just make beats for hours. Yeah, that's what I've been doing all day today, like all day. Like, cause I got, um, I got like, I got Reason and yeah. I got um, FL Studio, aka Fruit, Fruity Loops. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I've been messing with those. Like Fruity Loops is mad easy, dude. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, why everybody be using it. It's super easy. That's that's really what you want to go for, man. Like if you're gonna get into making beats, I always say. Fuck what everybody else is using. Right. Use what you get intuitively. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, because you'll you'll find more ways to freak it once you get past the technical part. Right. And that's the thing. Now I'm just learning how to use the stuff yeah. and learning how to, you know, load the kits and make my own drums. And, this guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I've been around it for like, you know, know, 20 years. Mad that's producers. Yeah. Like mad producers. I didn't watch mad people make beats, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's about time you stop being just a rapper, man. Right. You, you, everybody's a hobby, man. Yeah, man. You know, I'm having, a hobby. Yeah. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying it. That's how I feel about the camera. You know, like, it's, it's a hobby, and then you get good at the shit. Like, oh shit, <laughs> right? This shit is tight. Yeah, it's real tight. Fuck with this every day. Yeah, yeah, man. I love that shit, man. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, I ain't made a beat in wild long, man. Maybe like a month or two. Mm. Like I made a bunch of beats for like a, some beat CDs that I was selling to people, uh-huh. and then I just was like, all right, I gotta do something else, and I mm. just haven't even attempted to make a beat. Uh-huh. I just left it alone. It's just some cat hit me up the other day, like, "Yo, I need the third and the fifth beat off that." Like, I don't even fucking remember <laughs> I don't what even you know talking what about. You got. I don't even know. Yeah, what, what do you have? Like, right. I don't remember. It's been two months. All right. And I went and back checked it. Like, oh, this shit is kind of tight. Right. So we this hard body right here. Yeah. Yeah. Forget man. what you got. Making beats and everything, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm trying to get in. Trying to get in there. So you gonna produce your next album? Well, I'm, not your next album, but yeah, that's what point. I'm. That's what I'm building up towards. Yeah, you know, I'm building up towards producing my own record. Hell yeah. So do be that fun. shit, man. Yeah, that's that's fun. a challenge. It's a big challenge. Yeah. Because then you get into like the whole finding a production theme, right? And then making sure that theme fits what you want to be doing, right? Then you know, like what you hear in your head versus the sample, <laughs> it's crazy. Plus, technically making that shit sound tight, right? Like what you get from other producers, that's a challenge as well, man. So, mm. uh, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm building tours. I want to eventually make my own, produce my own record. You know. Yeah, man. So I'll be tight. Yeah. yeah. The evolution. Yeah. Of the logic. I'm excited. Trying to be like Prince. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm robbing new beats like you, Prince. <laughs> oh what? <laughs> Yeah, I actually do. Oh shit! Okay, <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Where, where, where? Tight man. So today, yo, yeah, yeah. This is the Super Duty Tough Work Podcast, man. Yeah, Super Duty. You know, I feel like I haven't even said the name of the yeah, podcast. Back in, in the building. What's this? Twenty three? Twenty four? I don't think it's twenty four. I, I feel like it's twenty three. I think it's twenty three. Jordan. <laughs> MJ Jordan. MJ. <laughs> Oh man, twenty three. Yeah, I think it's twenty three, man. I think last one was the deuce, deuce. Was that the yeah, deuce, deuce? The double deuce, <laughs> double deuce. Yeah, man. Yeah. So this episode, we almost wasn't gonna do this episode today. Yeah, it's been you know because you got mad. Uh, oh. You got that cook up downstairs. Yeah, life is so real <laughs> for me right now. I don't even it's think serious. y'all know. Like, yeah, when I saw that picture online, I hit you up uh, like, uh, "Are we still going to?" <laughs> You look a little tied up over there. Yes, I am. I am. So, um, yeah, we just figure we uh, make the podcast about what's popping off. Yeah, yeah. What's going on? Yeah, like campaign. uh, Exactly, because uh, you know, we are independent artists. Right. We talk a lot of shit on this podcast. Right. So one might forget every now and again that we do this shit. Right. You know, but you know, we got bars on deck. (laughs) 
got albums on deck. Yeah, this is true. Tours on deck. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We do this shit. So it's kind of cool to, uh, you know, to, to, to take an episode and instead of just talking about other shit, we want to talk about this the episode is pretty much for like the independent artists out here. Mm-hmm. And to kind of give you guys a sneak peek into what goes on behind, you know, the promotion and release and even the strategy of what goes on. Some of you guys may see me on my social media profiles and, you know, to the average layman, it may look, you know, just like normal artist shit. But some people may want to know what goes on behind that. Right. And so this episode, you know, I had my guy, Elijah, I told him to, you know, come through, play Charlie Rose. <laughs> Get my Charlie Rose, my Tavis smiley Yeah, get his Tavis on. Young Tavis over here. He about to ask me some questions. So uh, this episode is going to be about that, man. And we don't know how long this is going to be. Yeah. But uh, we do want to, you know, make sure that every now and again we take time out to be of service yes. to the community. Yes. You know, not just talk about hip hop, but actually share things that are helpful and valuable to y'all. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Take a break. Come back. Yes, sir. Bam. <laughs> Now listening to Super Duty Tough Work with your host, Blueprint, raw and uncut, adult conversations, no shucking, no jiving, and no bullshit. All right, word, 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 word. So, um, yeah, we back in the building. Uh, about to ask Mr. Print Maddox some questions about this whole campaign and just running campaigns in general and what goes on behind the scenes after the music is made. Yeah. You know, as an independent artist, because, you know, like we don't have record labels. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't have we the are machines. The yeah, label. we are the record label. We don't have the machines that do a lot of the, you know, legwork for us. So as, you know, someone that basically is his, you know, he is the record label. Um I thought I'd ask him some questions and, you know, give you all a little information on what goes on. So first question. Yeah. How has the campaign been going for Vigilante Genesis? Thus far, it's been going well, man. You know, the people in terms of response, Mm -hmm. it's been going well, you know, so uh, we announced it maybe is a shorter campaign. So I think I announced only about five weeks before the release date. Yeah. Usually. In the past, you know, we would have longer windows, you yeah, know, like three months, three months. Yeah. yeah. And we would announce it in three months. You know, we'd be doing all we could to create the word about it. And it feels like over the last five years, mm-hmm. the window for releases has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller to whereas, you know, you'd be having 90 day campaign. Now is four to six weeks. Yeah. And a lot of artists are just dropping out the sky. Why do you think that is, though? Uh, I think it's a combination of things. I think uh, one reason is is just more music. Mm-hmm. There's so many more people releasing music now that the the average music consumer's attention span is smaller. Right. I think that plays a role in knowing that like um, people they they're not going to be paying attention to things for very very long. Right. That's one thing. Uh, the second factor I think is the fact that. The, the three month window was probably designed based around physical publications. Yeah. Right. So when you think about how the source used to come out when they wrote, when they gave Illmatic, what five mics, right. they heard it 90 days, you know, before in, it came out, before yeah. it came out, they had the release date, they had the album artwork, everything was done, ready to go 90 days before. And then it was basically up to the label and the publicists to to create buzz around that record. And so they created basically, you know, okay, we're going to send us all these writers and these writers have two, three months to sit with this record. Mm-hmm. You know, th- you didn't have to get the record and write about it that week. All right. And I think that created longer windows, you know, so, so, and also created better press, I think. Yeah. I was, I was just about to say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Cause now people will typically, you know, Drake's album will come out on a Friday there were reviews up Saturday. Right. Because they don't, they, you don't get to digest the music anymore. Like, you don't get to sit with it, roll with it in your car, you know, learn some of it, you know, let it, let it kind of become a part of your week, you know, or month. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, they don't really listen to the music as much. It's more of a surface, you know, review. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. And it's, and it's, and it's more done, it's done because they really are 
focusing on day-to-day traffic right right like magazines were worried about selling advertisements over the long term you know Mm -hmm. clothing manufacturers that had seasons Mm -hmm. you know of gear right is our winter season you know whatever they would have and now it's it's completely different it's like we're just putting up clickbait a lot of times and a lot of times music journalism doesn't serve well as clickbait not about music right music gossip does right but most people now you know a a perfect review on any publication still might not get an album the shine that it did back when the source was coming out Mm -hmm. so um, it's a shorter campaign is for this record but I, i felt i needed to run a shorter promotional campaign because the record is shorter Mm-hmm. it's the shortest record I've released in many years you know it's seven songs it's a it's a concentrated EP you know whereas before I had you know Respect to Architect I think it was 11 songs and then uh, King No Crown is uh, 16 what? yeah like 16 songs or so so each of those records because they had so many more songs they allowed me to do so many more singles and videos and then I could run a longer campaign which is just you know getting the word the word out and this one i don't i don't have that kind of flexibility right you know i can't just put out three music videos <laughs> right because if i do then you know people some people are going to feel like they've heard it already there's not going to be any surprise so i have to decide myself like is it more important for me to put out music videos to promote this or to risk that take the take the risk that when people hear this album this concept album front to back that it will start the groundswell that I want. Mm-hmm. That maybe dropping all these music videos won't work. You know what I'm saying? It won't create. See, I think for this, I think what would be good, just my opinion, would be dropping it and then releasing the visuals for it afterwards, after people already got a chance to kind of listen to it. Yeah. And then they can see it, you know, what I mean? yeah. after that. You know what I'm saying? Because releasing the videos kind of gives it away. Because without listening to it, you know what I mean? Like one video or two videos really doesn't you have no idea what was you know exactly. what I'm what's really going on so you know i think it especially for this project it would it wouldn't make sense to drop videos for, yeah you know beforehand yeah i agree and you know what this also touches on in terms of promo and this is a lesson i've learned over many years is that every album requires a different approach mm-hmm. to how you promote it mm-hmm. you know i think many one of the problems in the industry of many is that, you know, when you're dealing with big giant labels or, or just bigger labels with bigger rosters, mm-hmm. they tend to plug artists into the exact same promotional campaign. Yeah, they just have a formula and they just they don't tailor make the formula. They just have the formula and they inject artists, you know, insert artist here kind of thing. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And that's easy for them mm-hmm. because they're saying, look, you know, we don't want to have to reinvent the, the wheel every time an artist comes out. But truthfully, if you're signing artists that are unique, no two campaigns should be the same. Right. Because each campaign and each record is going to be about something different. So as long as each artist is different and each record is different, it'll give you different things to focus on every time. Right. You know, so the way I'm promoting this one is completely different than anything I've done before. But I think it's still working. And I think when it when people hear the record, it'll all hit home. Okay. Yeah. So Which, I, so I think it's going well. And that and that definitely that leads into my next question actually. Um in this particular campaign, what new have you tried and what, you know, have you kind of recycled from other campaigns and what have you kind of gotten away from in this campaign? Uh well, one thing I got away from in this campaign was blogging. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of time I would blog a lot and just to kind of explain what was coming on stories behind the record a lot in terms of like, you know, full length 1500 word blogs that would be on printmatic.net. I kind of use that as my platform still, but for this record, because there is an element of surprise in it, there is an element of roller coaster that I don't want to take away from people. I haven't been able to specifically get into that material mm-hmm. to promote it. It actually would probably hurt, Right. Long term, you know, and you've heard the record. So, you know, like there's only I can only do so much without. <laughs> right. Giving it away. Yeah. Giving it away. Yeah. And, and and I think that the impression people have when they, you know, take it out the plastic and listen to it front to back. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is, is the most important. So I, I've had to withdraw on doing that. Like we talked about before, usually we would have 
two to three music videos. Mm -hmm. You know, like Respect the Architect, I think we dropped the first music video maybe a month before it came out. Mm -hmm. And then we dropped another one two weeks before it came out. Dropped one on a release date. And I think we dropped the fourth one uh, maybe right when a tour started. Yeah, right before the tour, yeah. Yeah, and, and that was 11 song album. And I think I did like four music videos for it. But they were all, you know, all really just like important to to getting that record out there and it didn't hurt the album right you know in terms of the theme you know it created more buzz so this one is i have to be a little more careful so i couldn't use music videos as much mm-hmm. with this record and uh like you're saying I'm, I'm on the fence about like should i do this should i just wait and just let this be what it is to where when people hear it they'll form their own visual thing right right that's yeah. what I did. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that maybe that's the most powerful way to go about it. And if I do, you know, if I just plug in the same, you know, promotional plan that I did for every other album, mm-hmm. then I'm no different than the major labels that I'm complaining about. Right. You know, like I have to be sensitive. So I haven't been able to do though. No music videos, really. Um, I haven't been able to do like long form blogging. But this time what I decided to do was use pictures more. Right. Uh, so but mostly older pictures, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Just pictures that I thought kind of would, would create curiosity about the project without giving it away, mm-hmm. you know? And that's something that I've always wanted to do, you know, kind of like, uh, like take like a photojournalistic approach to promoting it, yeah. but not with new photos, yeah. with old photos. Creates a nostalgic feel of it as well. Yeah. Just being that, you know, in this case, you and Aesop have been friends for so long and have never really done any music together except, you know, Alchemy. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. and the Orphanage yeah, Project. Collaborations. You know, yeah, yeah, but not like stuff. full length or anything. Yeah, yeah. so it, it kind of, you know, begs, you know, grabs the attention of people. You know, like, oh, they have known each other for dumb long. Yeah. You know, and they just now doing a project. And this is where Aesop is in his career. This is where Print is in their career. And them coming together now. This is going to be, this is exciting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it kind of builds, it kind of paints a picture of, you know, you and Aesop's relationship too. Exactly. You know what I mean? And and I think that's that's been really well. I think I, I've even liked it, you know, and I I've, I got most of the pictures, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, how it's, some from yeah, 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 how how it's, you know, how you're, you're kind of putting it out there for people to see and, you know, kind of, you know, build that, that thought process, you know, in the process of, before they listen to the record is really cool. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, you know that that's something that I had, I don't think that would have worked for any other project like mm-hmm. it's working for this project, right? And um, you know, in the past, I've used pictures. I've done like, you know, pictures of quotes, pictures of me playing live, pictures of all kind of little things to create buzz around a record, you know, uh, online. But I've never done anything where I wasn't using music videos and I wasn't using the conventional tools and was relying kind of on on pictures to get and i feel like in terms of the the response it's been a fucking home run yeah you know it's been a home run like there's there's one you know me and my homegirl donna you know she's a social media manager Mm -hmm. so she does it for a living like manages social media for you know a, a government agency and basically like uh she, so she's heavily into the statistical part of it, right? You know, like the the the, the stats behind Facebook ads and, and interaction and engagement. And so I'm always chopping it up with her about it on some nerdy shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I tell her some of the numbers that I'm getting and engagement, she's just like, "You need to be doing seminars on this. You need mm-hmm. to be like, you can teach a lot of companies and artists what you're doing now. You can basically." create a crazy ill seminar that people clearly don't even know the shit you're doing because your engagement numbers are so incredible right now for what you're doing and it's all organic right like it's not paid like i'm i'll do something paid every now and again i'll boost a post but um and this is nerd shit i'm talking to you so if if you're getting lost out here listening then (laughs) ignore this part but basically you know um facebook and and all social media has a way of telling you just you know how much people are are into that content that you posted and in terms of Facebook, I've been having some like record numbers for me, you know, even though I've been posting less, you know, like to me, I, I really focus on maybe one to two posts per week, which is way less than what I would do to promote any other project. But I feel like the response has, has been so good that I don't I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. Let it breathe. Yeah. Let it breathe. I'll see you all next week. <laughs> right. And that's it. You right. know, and uh, I had one of those uh, two weeks ago where like 
the organic reach of one of the, the things I posted was like half a million people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now, I only have 40,000 likes. Right. This photo, photo reached half a million people. Yeah. That shit is insane. Yes. Like, there's no ad you can pay for on Facebook that will get you organically right. to half a million. Yes. Yeah. 500,000 reach, you know? And uh, that shit to me has just kind of hit home and let me know that, you know, you know, I've had other posts go crazy before, but in terms of like this new approach, it was good to see that you can do something different and still kind of reach those people, man. So that's been effective. But yeah, it's just it's just been a different, a completely different way of marketing and uh, setting it up this time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, shoot, I think it's working. It's working, working awesomely, swimmingly. Yeah. As, yeah, as yeah. we say. So, yeah, I guess the moral to, to artists out there, if you're listening and you have a record, you know, you're promoting a your thing. I would say be open to doing something different. Mm especially if you are if you're in this to win this where you know that you're going to be releasing music every year there's nothing wrong with promoting a record completely different than how everyone else expects you to or how you have done in the past right sometimes you don't know you just throw shit at a wall yeah i post yeah i post shit that dud sometimes no interaction Uh like damn this is (laughs) fucked up nobody like me nobody like my shit not a single like or a retweet nothing right. I'm like all right well, fuck and then i just go back and i try to see what went wrong with that or you know but what's important is to not get formulaic your 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 the way you promote an album shouldn't be a function of what always works or what you've seen other people do it should be a function of what that album needs right you know it should speak to the content of that album and, and how you get that message out like how do you how do i get what this message uh how do i do justice to that mm-hmm. you know so yeah. and i think also as independent artists people need to pay attention to their fans you know it's not necessarily about having a formula but it's about understanding the content of what you have and then understanding your fans are they Think about what they'll respond to, you know, like think about what you've done in the past, but also think, try to think outside the box. But you still have to pay attention to your fan base because, I mean, with our fan base, pictures of, you know, old pictures of of the orphanage. And, yeah. you know, like, you you know, they're going to eat that shit up just because of, you know, just because of where we come from and how long we've been doing it. So, like you doing something, even though it was outside the box, just from just us posting some of those pictures in the past. Yeah. You know, you already kind of had an idea, like people are going to dig this, you know? Yeah. So I think that's something people also need to pay attention to. Like, you know, throughout just throughout just regular time, when you post stuff on Facebook or post things on Twitter, like, you know, see what people respond to and then kind of take some of those elements and use those to promote and market your record or whatever. Exactly. Cause yeah, cause it wasn't just the photos. It was a photos plus, Story explanation and story yeah Yeah, so that that was kind of how i got away from just like the regular blogging on my site Mm -hmm. was that it was like i know that my strength is as a writer right so i know that my blogging has always responded you know people responded well to that on my website i know that the books get a great response so i want to i want to include that as much as i can because that's just me Mm -hmm. and you know I, i think that as long as i include that part of me in it it, it just makes it authentic. You know, it's like, look, this is something I'm going to share with you guys. And here's the story behind it. Because as you said, like we might've posted one or two of those pictures on our Instagram or something before. Right. Each member of us might have, but none of us took it where I took it. Right. And so, you know what, if I take that and I take these, this, and I put it together, what would happen? Right. And if I take it and do it in this context, what would happen? And you don't really know. And then I post the first one. I was like, Oh, yeah. As I say, I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. All right. This is a nice tool in a toolbox, you know, so where you don't have to. The, the, the problem that we have as artists sometimes is that we're always saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, buy, buy my record, buy my record, buy my record. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to be doing that. You know, like there's a guy he's got to sell. Like he says he's a master of the art of selling without selling. Yes. That's what you got to do. <laughs> you know, like everyone wants, you know, if you're sitting on a fucking thousand pieces of vinyl or, or CDs or you got a bedroom of T-shirts or whatever your product is. I mean, it, it comes a time where you're like, I need to get this shit moving. 
I need to let people know what I have. But then you don't want to look like a goddamn vulture. Right. You want to create Buy something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's really not about that. Mm-hmm. Like it's really it's not about selling people anything. It's about your relationship with your fans. Right. That's really all it is. Like I'm I'm the, I don't have to sell hard because people know most of these motherfuckers have met me. Yeah, exactly. They've met us. Yeah. They've been to our shows and been like, yo, I've kicked it with them. Mm-hmm. He's no different online than he is at a show. He's at the merch table all night, shaking hands, talking to people, being social. He's not hiding backstage at the show. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just play, run off into the tour bus and go to the next city, not sign anything, not talk to anybody. He's not like, so So I try to make sure that my online shit is just as in line with my offline mm-hmm. shit. There should be no separation to me, right. you know? All right. So, okay. So now let's get into some of the a little more of the nitty gritty. Okay. Oh, so um, you want to take a break? Oh, oh yeah, we, we can take a break. Yeah, yeah, we should bust a quick break. All right. All right. Break. What's up? This is Aesop Rock. I am here to remind you that the Vigilante Genesis EP that I produced for Blueprint will be out May 27th on Waitlist Recordings. The project is pre-ordering right now on waitlist.net. And the first 250 pre-orders come with an 11 by 17 poster signed by me and Blueprint. From limited purple vinyl to deluxe CD and digital versions, go to waitlist.net and pre-order your copy now. Thank you for your support. All right, sir. So, uh, yeah, before the break, like I said, we're going I'm gonna get into the little more of the nitty gritty of being an independent artist and you know having to basically fund your own shit. Yes, because uh, <laughs> that's a whole different animal. Um, so, being an independent artist, you think it's better for you to have a distributor or to do it all yourself? I think it depends. I think it's a complicated question, right? I think it depends on what your goal is, right? Like some people, you know, when we were first coming up, we were like, we need distributors. We got to have a distributor. And for those who are listening, we'll we'll back up and, and let's explain what a distributor is. So, a distributor is basically a business whose sole responsibility it is to get to facilitate getting your records into stores physically. They physically will ship your records to stores. Right. That's the origin of record distribution. You know, I'm sure it came out of the, you know, the the the, the old times when people would drive around with phonograph records in the wagon or some shit like Uh that you know in a model t and drop them off at record stores or or wherever and people would play them take them neighborhood to neighborhood selling records right um it's basically the same thing but but also what's important to note is what distribution is not distribution does not make people go to the store to buy your records right Distribution does not create demand. Distribution is simply an entity that allows your records to be on the shelves. They're responsible for listing your records. They're responsible for shipping your records to stores who are interested in buying it. All right. The reason I get into that is because some people think that all they have to do <laughs> is, get a is get a distributor yep. and then records are going to sell. Right. That's not true. Nope. It's not true at all. In fact, like if you don't understand distribution, you could be hurting yourself more than helping yourself. Because the thing about it as distributors is when things don't sell at stores, they get returned to the distributor. And the distributor charges you. Right. Returns. You know. And so even if you did have money coming, you can actually be in the hole if you get distribution and those records don't move. Mm-hmm. Right. At least with physical product. Right. Now, digital, it's a bit different because there is no physical space. Exactly. Right. It's it's different. But the concept is exactly the same. Getting your record on iTunes is nowhere near as important as getting people to go to iTunes <laughs> to buy to your buy record. your record. Exactly. So. Before you can answer the question as, as far as like how important is distribution mm-hmm. Uh, is distribution more important than, than doing it yourself? I think it depends on the stage you're at in your career. Okay. What's, what's your relationship with your fans? Do your fans even care about iTunes? 
Do your fans uh, see you play live? Do your fans, uh, do they care about your recorded material? Are they anticipating your release? Is this a release that has been building after numerous smaller releases? Mm -hmm. You know, like it's different from putting your first record, you know, in stores or, or, or on iTunes than putting your third or fourth right. or doing a series of releases. Maybe there are EPs that build up to an album. Then you may have the push it, it takes to go into retail. Right. But I think it depends on the artist. You know, I think for me, you know, like I've been in all kind of different situations, right? We had, we started doing waitlist when we were like, there was only like online uh, shops, yeah. right? So you had ATAC, mm -hmm. you remember that? You yeah. had uh, Full Blown, <laughs> yep. you had Underground Hip Hop, mm -hmm. Hip Hop Site, Sandbox Automatic. Those are basically like five online, Hip Hop Infinity too. Hip Hop Infinity, They had yeah. a store as well. So those were like web stores and all they sold on those sites was underground hip hop. And so you could basically sell your records to them wholesale. They would list them, you know, and then they would basically sell them to, you know, the visitors on their site because they were creating content, yep. you know, writing reviews, doing interviews with artists. And that would help sell to the the music and they take their cut and they write you your check and life was good right yeah yeah life was good <laughs> it was awesome back then <laughs> yeah, you know the good old days everybody was selling some records right everybody was eating yeah eating on these rappers <laughs> eating on y'all but uh you know and that was that was what we did back then and then we went from like that era to when we started kind of touring more mm -hmm. and then our records started taking off a little bit more small regionally like maybe the midwest and then the west coast started popping because we had those little uh online retailers i think that was helped us expand into other areas uh like texas and mm -hmm. cali and you know uh minneapolis you know things of that nature but then eventually we're like okay we should start trying to get real distributors because we were actually starting to play shows outside of our state right it made sense for us because if we're playing cincinnati columbus and cleveland two three times a year we should probably have some records and some stores up there right. because we can't do it all hand in hand at that point. And so those were the first distributors we got. Like the first distributor we ever got was a regional um, uh, called a one stop. I can't remember the name, but they were actually based in Cincinnati. Okay, It was a little one stop distributor. And a one stop is basically um, where you have a bigger distributor who takes their distributors to a, a one stop that's in a state. And at one stop, gets all the orders from that state they have the true relationships with the stores there mm -hmm. and they, so there was a one stop that basically uh is right in cincinnati on uh, reading road i don't know if it's even still open it may not even still be in business but i remember stepping to them like look we're greenhouse effect we're logic you know here are one sheets we have these two cds and we play cincinnati a lot we play <laughs> cleveland a lot we play the scribble jam mm -hmm. you know uh, we play Athens, you know, we play Athens and we play Dayton yeah. and they were like, cool, we'll give it a try. That was our first distributor. We didn't have national distro. We just right. had a one stop and then they started filling orders and we, you next, we checked the mailbox. We got a check. Yeah. Oh shit. We made $200. <laughs> right. Selling right. CDs. Let's deposit this money and print some more CDs. Yeah. That was the game then because, but we could, it made sense. It was a natural progression. Right. So I think some artists before you decide whether distro is for you. Um, I mean, obviously you can distribute your own shit, you know, uh, but you got to you got to know what your relationship is, what your reach is and just make sure you do it in a way that doesn't hurt you. You know, so we went from uh, one stop distributors to national distributors. Mm -hmm. Then we started getting picked up by, you know, Revolver, right. Fat Beats. They were distributors of independent hip hop, but they were national. You know, then we had like a Canadian distributor at one point. We had a European distributor. So we had a distributor in Chicago. I can't remember their name, but they would basically facilitate all of our European distribution deals. Okay. You know, so we would sell records to them at a discounted price from what we normally sold them just so that they could play middleman to facilitate the deals to the European distributors. And so they could still make money, you know? And so it, um, it worked out for everybody, but that's what helped us break into a lot of European markets. And these were, these were deals we were doing in, 2003 2004 yeah you know so like i have a long history with all this shit understanding it at that level um that influences the decisions i make now mm -hmm. you know so uh as far as like what's better to me 
my fan base is established to the point to where I can kind of do it either way. Like I can say, okay, well, I'm going to sell some copies of you got, you know, of this vigilante Genesis EP to fat beats. And as long as I'm okay with the, the numbers, you know, I feel confident that I can sell them enough copies to where it'll, it'll make the money back. Right, now it makes sense. Yeah. But for me, I'm somewhere different with it to where like, I personally am into like, making as much money as possible. <laughs> I don't know about everybody else. Right. You know, there's still people doing it for the love, right. you know, but this is a business, it's a business relationship with a distributor, right? right like right. you can't be doing it just because I got a distributor. I'm just right. going to, you know, eat shit and not make no money or mm-hmm. lose money, you know? And so I'm always thinking about what is the most empowering move for me? Mm-hmm in terms of the distribution of my music. You know, is it getting a middleman to get my music on iTunes? Or is it for me to have the direct relationship with a distributor who's large enough to get it on every place? You know what I'm saying? And some people do that with distro. Sometimes you don't know how many far steps removed a digital distributor is from that actual thing. They may be facilitating deals for another bigger distributor. And you know, by the time you get your money back, it's pennies yeah yeah so for me like around 2008 2009 i started kind of noticing a change in the industry which was like nobody's selling no records <laughs> right yeah this is true you know and then and, and on top of that like but the people who were still doing good were the people who were touring and so i feel like the people who can still tour are still going to have the the relationship with their fans to where their fans will walk in a store and get yeah. that record. But mostly only because they were selling records before records stopped selling. Right. Like you don't necessarily know for a new artist if their fans if you can push those fans that way. You can't assume that right. they're gonna be walking into a goddamn record store. They might be eighteen. They might be thinking, what the fuck is yeah. in a record store? I don't go to record stores. I've never went to a record store to get music. Mm-hmm. I just hit download. That shit's on my phone in two clicks. Why would I drive across town? to pick up a record yeah right it's just it depends on your people um so you know with this record I, I felt like direct distribution is a model that i've been working on since 2008 2009 and this project gave me a, a, a perfect opportunity to start working on just like direct to fan mm-hmm. distro and i think the fans also appreciate it more and a lot of fans would rather pay you personally you know, knowing that that money is going directly to you as opposed to paying a store and not knowing that the money is even making it to the artist, you know. So I think that's another thing. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. You know, really. Yeah. And just because you get a record distributed doesn't mean you're going to get paid. Exactly. Like we had so many wild shit things going on with like distributors back in the day, man, that like we would sell through all of our records, still not get paid sometimes. Yeah. Because there was a point in, in hip hop where. And at least this shit where motherfuckers are going out of business. Yes. You know, distributors who we used to have great relationships with were just falling to the wayside. Yeah. We're like, damn. You know, like that one stop in Ohio. Or there was another one. Uh, was it? Uh, gosh, what was her name? I'm going blank on them right now. Something point. What was it melting point? What was Boiling point. Boiling point. Yeah. Like that shit. Like, like they did the uh, Got Lyrics vinyl. Yeah, they did the Got Lyrics vinyl. We had a great relationship with them. Like, what happened to them is these fools decided that being a distributor wasn't good enough. Yeah. They wanted to be a record label. Yeah. So while our records was selling out, they was taking that record, putting it into their label, into other artists. Yeah. It's hilarious because me and Superstition had a conversation about this. <laughs> he was like, so really, Weightless kind of funded my first album. <laughs> I said, yeah. Because we was selling records and selling out of our records through stores, but they couldn't pay us. Yeah. We're just like, how do you not pay us if the stores sold the records and paid you? Right. And, and to the point to where they're mad at you because you can't get more of these records that are selling. Right. They're like, what do you mean you can't get more greenhouse records? What do you mean you can't get more blueprint and logic records? They're selling. Just give me another hundred. Yeah. <laughs> and, he's, and he's like, well, I can't get another hundred because blueprint won't give me another hundred because I owe him for the other thousand. <laughs> Right, right. You know, and that's a conversation he didn't want to have. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, dude, you sold a thousand of these. Yes. Why can't you just give us our money? Yes. Eight dollars a record. You owe us eight thousand dollars. <laughs> write the check. Yeah, write the check, partner. 
but he had spent that money on his own dreams of being a label mogul Mm -hmm. and the next thing you know that shit fell apart they were out of business and a distributor who used to do really well for us gone but that happened to a lot of distributors man you know when industry shrunk it wasn't just artists who had to get day jobs you know right (laughs) people who ran this you know distribution companies had to do it publicists yeah had to retire yeah you know a lot of motherfuckers just got you know charged to the game it's, it's, it's bad but you know if you if you really are a student at a game and you are able to adapt you can survive you know so we were never as tied into one distributor as we were to where we would have been done yeah and then we also were a grassroots label you know there were labels who at that time they might have had artists who were as high profile as us but they weren't touring they didn't have that Relationship. fan relationship yeah. like we go out and we touch the people and we talk to the people and shake the hands and kiss the babies and we go put in work we go places where none of these fools go you know what i'm saying we bring this shit to people and people don't forget that yeah you know when they're shitting on when they see two records on the shelf and it's the guy who got a good review and then it's the guy who got a good review who they had a beer with who the fuck's record they gonna pick up <laughs> right that beer yeah that, that they had a beer with yeah they got to shake your hand they met you you was cool you know they know how dedicated you are to your craft. You didn't just hide out back. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, th- that shit matters. And that's why, you know, I think we're still here today. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, now, with distribution um, on the other side, now, is there, is it important to have a publicist with your record? Man, I'm on a fence about the publicist thing, man. Yeah, like is it yeah. is it important it's, or is it is it something that you know, depending on where you are again in your career, again, yeah, you know, is a publicist necessary or unnecessary? Yeah, it, it depends, man. I think a lot of people think a, a publicist is is a is a cure all mm-hmm. for buzz. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of artists, they think, okay, well, I need magazines to write about me. I need blogs and online outlets to cover my record. So I'll hire this publicist. This publicist will get me all this press and then my buzz will be jump started. But to me, it's like I've seen it go both ways where I've had things that, you know, got good press, but had really strong word of mouth. And some things that, you know, got good word of mouth and didn't get any press. You know, I, I just think that the tricky thing about publicists is, number one, they're expensive. Yes very they're not and they're getting more expensive uh than they were back when we first started because the window is shorter see a publicist used to get paid uh for a three-month contract and they might get paid you know a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a month now what happens when you only need a month now to promote a record in this climate that doesn't mean that they're only going to charge you fifteen hundred they're going to charge you that that three G, yeah, you know, that yeah. whole time period still. Right. So they're so they're just looking at, well shit, we're we're gonna be doing all the same work just in a shorter span or whatever they're thinking. And just because we ain't working three months, we still need to get paid for working. So they're gonna charge you more now. Mm-hmm. So now their monthly rates have all went up. So you really gotta ask yourself, you know, I don't I don't have a publicist for this record. Yeah. I didn't feel like I needed one. You know, it can be tricky. Sometimes you get a publicist man and you start you start placing less emphasis on building relationships with writers with press you know the smaller blogs you might start thinking i got a publicist i ain't worried about this little interview and that little mag over there Mm -hmm. and little blog and plus you paying for it so you're like these motherfuckers better work yeah yeah (laughs) let let, let them make their money you know yeah work for their money yeah yeah hey you you let him know if i can do the interview (laughs) that's what i'm paying you for that's what i'm paying you for right yeah you get a little attitude think you the shit yeah uh, man, why you hit me up? I got a publicist. <laughs> right. Hit up my publicist, dog. Yeah. They'll get back with you on that interview request. Right. Nah, nah. That shit don't really work, man. I mean, it works for some people, but I think I think we always have to keep in mind that like the people ultimately decide. Like a publicist can get out there with the fucking dopest record, and maybe if the people ain't ready for it, it doesn't stick. Yeah. You know, and but the, when the people are rocking with it, it doesn't matter what the press says. Right. It doesn't matter what the publicists say. You know what I'm saying? Like rhyme sayers don't get a bunch. We're not darlings of the press. We right. never were. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You look at like a uh, uh, strange music. You know, uh, tech nine thing. They're not darlings of the press. Right. You don't see them getting five mics in the source, but you they selling out every show they do. 
they got right. one of the most dedicated fan bases doing it you know icp oh yeah they it's don't get no good press right no if, if they got press it'd be awful yeah right but they have a huge dedicated fan base mm-hmm. because they've gone out and they've done all that grassroots work and touring and I, I think that that's what i would rather artists focus on if you get the money and you want to spend it on a publicist to see what that experience is like do it because mm-hmm. you I, I looked at i try to look at it like the publicist is to fill gaps that i can't feel mm-hmm. i feel like most artists but see that's my experience as running a label and then being an artist on another label and then running a label for myself right. so i've seen all sides of it where i i we've paid for publicists for illogic records right you know what i mean like celestial clockwork we had everything yeah you know we had a we had distribution uh support we were doing retail programs yeah end caps and shit yeah, we was in best buy yeah 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 <laughs> we went all out we did radio promo we had a radio thing for that and we had conventional publicity for that record yes. i think when it was all said and done we probably paid at least ten thousand just in that that part of it you know mm-hmm. to break that record because we felt it was a special record right. we felt like fuck it if we don't roll the dice now, when? But we didn't do that with every record. No. We built up to that. Mm-hmm. You were touring before that record came out. Oh, yeah. When that record came out, you had a tour to go on. It wasn't like, you know, some artist who just starts releasing albums. Like, you know what? I'm going to spend three grand on a publicist. I think those decisions have to be made uh, just unbiased. Like, really look at your career and say, where am I? Mm-hmm. Do I need a publicist? You Is know? it worth it? Yeah. To get a publicist? Yeah. Yeah. Can I reach out to this mag and that mag? I mean, the way I feel now, I think a lot of newer artists would be better to focus on the regional and the city, people in their city who really rock with them. Mm-hmm. You know, focus on the podcasts that are into your music or playing your music. If you're seeing people are playing your music, hey, you know, would you like me to come on and do an interview sometime? I'd like to, t- you know, nine times out of ten, like, hell yeah. Right. We play your records anyway. Right. You know, like you don't have to wait on people to come to you. Like, mm-hmm. and, and that's all the publicist does. They just pitch your shit. They mm-hmm. just send out, hey, you guys want this? Right. Yay or nay? And then you have somebody <laughs> saying, no. Nope. Yeah. Right. yeah, like I've had a publicist and still turned down things that they brought me. Mm-hmm. So like when we did uh, King No Crown and I had the Great Ideas Never Die video, uh, who was it? Was it uh, Vlad TV or somebody like that? Or mm-hmm. Pigeons and Planes? Something, something in connection with Vlad TV or, or Complex or something. They wanted to debut it, but you know, they had these things where they're just like, we'll debut it and then, you know, be on our channel for a week and then you can put it on your YouTube channel and then X, Y, and Z. And I just started hearing all these stories about how like they basically would be monetizing it during that week, selling ads on it, doing all this stuff, separate from what YouTube does because mm-hmm. they have their own video player and all that shit. So they're selling ads. And I was like, you know what? I'm not letting these fools make money off Mikey like that, man. Mm-hmm. So when she's like, she said, you know, she said, uh, I said, you know what? I'm a pass that. She's like, are you serious? <laughs> right. She said, you know, they get like a million visitors a day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'm a pass. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't think it's nah, not for this. Yeah. Not for this. Yeah. And she just was like, wow. I ain't nobody ever turned down nothing like this before. <laughs> okay, like this is why you get a publicist, right? And I was like, yeah. Shit, yeah. And I was like, nah, man. I don't want. I don't want to do. You know, my friend. This is about my friend. You know, this is about the fans. This is not about complex. This is not about you or whoever it was. You know, and I don't care how many views they get. If I don't feel like they're a respectable outlet for that, then I'm not gonna do it. You know, and, and publicists, you know, they, they're talented people and they do great work. It just depends on a project. man. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say it's bad. I th- I do think that you should you should put out your music good enough to where you're getting press on its own, on its own. Mm-hmm. Don't get a publicist until your music starts getting written about by people you don't know. You know, when you start seeing that happen and you start seeing good things come back that you didn't ask for, that you didn't pitch. Maybe then you could consider adding it if you have a budget that allows it. Wow. You know, but don't go broke over no goddamn publicist. Yeah, it ain't worth it. No. All right. No. Break. 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 Super Duty Tough Work is now available on all of your favorite podcasting apps. So whether you use SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or iTunes, we're there. Please take a second to follow us on whatever podcasting app you use and stay up to date. Thanks for your support. Break. Break. <laughs> my my Tavis on. Tavis. Yeah. <laughs>
right, sir. So we back. Um, yeah, this is a this is a pretty cool conversation. Like if I was if I was listening, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I can learn some shit. I'd be taking notes. Bars, mad bars, lots being of dropped. bars in this. Mad one. bars. All right. So um, with the campaign, like you did, you started the pre-orders. What like five? Four uh, weeks ago? I don't even know if it was that week. Yeah, it might have been like four weeks ago. We got two weeks to go. So yeah, it was probably about six weeks out. Okay. Yeah. Um, how far out do you think that it's good to start pre-orders? Like, is that a good time frame? Like about uh, five, six weeks? Um, depending on the release, should it be longer? Should it be shorter? Well, I think it depended. Well, for me, I did the shorter window because it was a shorter record. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was the one of the biggest factors for me. It was that I knew that I couldn't drop three music videos and take right. three months to do mm-hmm. it, you know? Um, but I don't necessarily think, I don't think there's a set thing for pre-orders, man. I think what I, what I do think though, that before people even get to that, I think a lot of people don't even necessarily do pre-orders. Mm-hmm. A lot of people feel like let's just put it in stores and let what happens happen. Right. You know? Um, I think the reason we started doing pre-orders was just like, we started wanting to give more to our hardcore fans. Yeah. Where it's like, you know what, let's just start, you put this record in stores and now you got to send people to stores. Someone's sitting there on my website. Hey print, I want to get a copy of blueprint who from you. Okay. Well, why don't you go to, <laughs> to so-and-so yeah, and get the record and then come back here and we'll have a conversation about it. Yeah. It just seemed kind of pointless when I'm actually see people put shit in stores because they don't know who their fans are. Yeah. Like, we know who our fans are. Yeah, this is true. Like, it's not a, a social experiment anymore. It's like, the, the longer this thing goes on, the more opportunities you have to know who supports you and to have direct conversations with them. Mm-hmm. So this shit, to me, is like, well, shit. I got to do some pre-orders because I want to give my fans more. I know that I've built up a rapport with them and I have conversations with them all the time on social media and and in person when I'm in their city to where why not do something where it's catered to them mm-hmm. to where they have a unique uh, experience with that record. They get something they can't get. You can't get the poster in a store. Right. You can't get the lyric sheet in the store, you know, for the vinyl. You can't, you know, you won't get it signed. You won't get all these things. And so it's like, well, shit, man, why don't we, why don't we try to pump up that experience? I think if you have the ability to do that, depending on what your, what you want your pre-order thing to be about, then, you know, do it. I personally, you know, we've been developing it for six, seven years. You right. know, I think the first one I think I remember, you know, maybe longer, but I feel like maybe like it probably was around the time of sign language, maybe. And then yours was 08, right? I yeah. think sign language maybe 07. No, they might have been saying a year. Your, uh, what was it? What's the name of the one you Diabolical. dropped? Or, uh, the, yeah, the one Ilpo produced. Yeah, Diabolical Fun. Yeah, Diabolical Fun. That was 08. Was that, was the 09? record dropped 08. We did the uh, EP. In, um, I mean, the record dropped 09. We did the EP, the One Bar Left EP. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I feel like that was right around the time we started really kind of ramping up into it, where we started experimenting and seeing, yo, we our fans talk to us. Maybe we should like, do, do something sp- extra yeah for them mm-hmm. for them you know and uh and so but it's also a good gauge of interest into right. the record right you know sometimes you don't really know yeah like am i gonna sell these thousand copies <laughs> yes yes <laughs> or are these gonna be sitting on my shelf for the next yes haunting me in my basement <laughs> for decades this is true decades this i have true. enough uh old cds down there i don't yes. need anything else laying around haunting me yes sir so how many pre-orders did you have for the uh, Vigilante Genesis? Right now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I want to say it. I was going to say a lot. We got a lot. A whole, whole lot? Yeah, more than usual. Okay, so this is this the best like uh, pre-order Order campaign? campaign? Yes. Yes. All right. Because, I mean, I mean, if it stopped today, it would still be, it would beat the, the previous one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, we still have two weeks to go. Mm-hmm. And there's still things that are going to fall in place. And in the last week of the record, the week it comes out, people are always just like, oh, I forgot. Let me order now. Right. I can get it by Friday. Yeah. You know, so that Tuesday, Wednesday, there'll probably be more people ordering then. But I think I think it's a I think now with two weeks out, it's significantly past the previous one, which I think Respect the Architect was my previous best. Okay. You know, and uh, this one, I think, is doing 
Doing numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> doing them numbers. Doing numbers. All right. Now, the picture we saw that you posted, like you said, that's not even all of the pre-orders. That was so, half. So at what point does your assistant come and pick those <laughs> up to take them to the post office? <laughs> yeah, my assistant, you know, Jeebs, you'll be over tonight. No, I don't have an assistant. I do have some people helping me. Uh-huh. So like uh, tomorrow... Uh, so tomorrow I get the t-shirts back from the, uh, the, the, the print shop here in Columbus. And, you know, so, you know, I got all, a lot of those orders that were in that picture weren't complete cause they're just waiting on one other thing. So tomorrow we pick up those t-shirts and we fold them and bag them. You know, me, uh, my homegirl Sarah is going to help me. And then my homegirl Donna said she can come over and help after work. So she's going to, I might just have her just rolling up posters and then Sarah's going to help stuffing. me stuffing, you know, t-shirts and bags. But as far as like going to the post office, I'm trying to avoid that whole thing. This time. <laughs> yeah. That shit is a nightmare, bro. Yes, like, I've, I've been there, man. Bro, there's nothing worse than walking in a post office with 50 or a hundred packages. Right. And just having a motherfucker look at you like, why are you like, coming Why are you here? even here? Yeah, they hate us, like, man. You they, know you can do this online. They fucking hate us, man. Yeah. And, and the last time, I was like, let me just try this stamps.com thing. So I tried the stamps.com on a King No Crown. And it was weird at first, but I was like, yo, this is dope. Mm-hmm. I'm rocking with this. And then, you know, I did stamps.com, but I still took them to the post office. Um, but then all year since then, I've been using stamps.com. And I just been sending shit on my porch. You know, you don't have to leave the crib. Yeah. I just leave a note that says pick these up to prepaid and postman picks them up. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to the post office this time. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not with all that shit. No, 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 no. So this time uh, I talked to my postman and he told me that I could schedule a truck to come to the crib. And we just throw all them joints in the back whenever yeah. I'm ready. So I'm a call. I tried to call today and I got held up because my local post office sucks. Dude. Yeah. They just put me on hold for like an hour and uh, <laughs> didn't get back at the kid. And so I'm going to try to schedule a truck to pick them up this week uh, once we get a, a nice amount and uh, maybe do that. May have a Thursday pickup and a Friday pickup. And then, uh, you know, hopefully never go to the post office for this shit. It's yeah. just too much. It's way too much. You can't walk in there with hundreds of I've packages. been there, man. I, like, I've walked in, like, when I was doing the EPs yeah. and I was doing the uh, cap, the preparing for capture EPs. Like, when I did pre-orders for those, I think I had maybe, like, 100, 150, yeah. like, yeah. packages. And that's a lot to and be I, putting in your car. Right, to put in your car. I, like, I had, like, two, like, plastic totes, yep. like, full of envelopes. Man, when I walked in that post office, they looked at me like, <laughs> like and, and the lady told me like you know you can do this online right <laughs> yeah you know what i'm saying like you know you don't you can have these picked up you don't have to come in here with all this yeah i was like oh word okay so i i did it you know like that yeah. afterwards but yeah they hate us all right so one last question mm-hmm. um you know you don't work a day job this is your full time yes sir. um for a lot of people they don't really look at what we do as work so shame on that. <laughs> so, um, I mean, with all that we've talked about, I think people might have a better idea that it is yeah, work. Yeah. But kind of explain a little more. Um, you know, kind of go go back, basically go back, do a recap of all the stuff that yeah. we went through, and explain how this is actually work. Even oh, though you work. enjoy it, oh, you know, yeah, explain yeah, yeah. that this I mean, is an actual job. Sunday? What's today? Monday? Today's Monday. Yeah. I mean, yesterday I woke up at like. Uh, let me see, probably woke up around 10. I mean, I go to bed to about three. Woke up about 10, you know, rolled up some uh, uh, f- posters to get ready to do orders. And I literally did orders from 12 o'clock noon until three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. That's what, like I did. I, that's literally all I did yesterday. I took maybe two breaks of about 30 minutes each. So what's that, 15 hours? 15 hour day? Yeah, yeah. And so people are saying like, oh man, you know, it's not work. Oh, it's work. Mm-hmm. It, it's definitely work. Just just because you don't leave your house doesn't mean you're not working. Right. And just because you don't have a job for someone else doesn't mean you're not working. Like people don't understand. So like the next week or two of my life is probably going to be like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, because we got this record going out this week. So mm-hmm. we'll probably get all those out on thursday and friday just so people can have it three days early and that's shit that we can do that we don't have to do Mm -hmm. but i want to do that i want i want my people to who are who believe in this music enough to get it 
before the official release date. I care about that. Some people don't care. Mm-hmm. I look, 27th it is. Right. And I'm like, yo, if you took the time to pre-order this when you didn't have to, uh, to, to, to support directly when you didn't have to and not bullshit and wait, then I should try to provide some kind of reward for that or benefit for that. So, so my thing is like, okay, I'm going to try to get this shit to you by the 24th. Mm-hmm. which means that usually I would have another week before I had to get these out. Right. So I have to have these out a week early. So we're going to get these out. Comes out the 27th, 28th, you know, morning of that, we leave for sound set. That's, you know, we're driving out there. We're going to have a merch table out there, performing there. That's 12 hour drive, mm-hmm. you know, playing at sound set, staying on your feet all day, 12 hours. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? At the booth, shaking hands, kissing babies. Right. This is what we do. <laughs> but, yeah. but I don't, I don't, the, the 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 thing too I will say is like you know I don't complain about nothing involving this because uh, you know the saying goes like find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life right that's truly how I feel about this so even I would I mean yeah I stayed up for fucking 13 14 hours doing nothing but writing down an order pulling that order assembling that order addressing that order packing it putting it in this pile you know like i did that and it takes i mean a time that it takes on average you know i can do 20 orders in an hour <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. so just think about it like you do that shit for fucking 12 hours straight yeah it's a lot of fucking orders dude and you're gonna have times where you're just not sharp so right. you're gonna have an hour where you might get four done <laughs> People right. texting you some funny right. shit. Yo, yeah, you gotta eat, so there it is. bathroom, right, you right. know. Just, yeah. So you're going to have some slow periods in there. But yo, man, at your peak, I mean, you're killing that shit, but it, it's work. But at the same time, you love it. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I think people who don't think that this is a job, especially the artists, they're greatly underestimating what it means to be self-employed, you know, and that, and that will hurt them. Many artists think that like, they want to be self-employed so they don't have to answer to someone else, but they don't want to be self-employed so they can work right. for themselves. Right. Being self-employed doesn't, you, there's nothing about that that says that the work is not absent. <laughs> right. Employed. Employed. You're still employed. Yes. It's yeah. just a self in front yeah. of it. You're just your own boss. Yes. But you still have to work. The employed part is never winning. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. That's what's whether you're an employee mm-hmm. right. <laughs> or someone else or you're self-employed, you have to employ. Yeah. <laughs> the work part is always present. Yes. And uh, that you can only hope to put yourself in a scenario where the work is enjoyable. Right. And I think that's what I've striven to do, you know. So doing this shit directly, it allows us to where we're like, I'm not even worried about retail. I feel like my people, like our fans, are are dope enough to where they're gonna fucking buy the fuck out of this record before it drops and we'll sell whatever the first run of this shit was before it comes out. Mm-hmm. And whatever is left left, we'll sell it at some shows. And after that, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But we don't have to take the chance of like printing a bunch of records, thousands of records, putting them in stores, and then not knowing if we can drive people there. Risk those records being returned being played being paid super small margins on some of those records and you're just like well i went through all this shit i got the publicist you know five g's bells and whistles yeah i got the dopest distributors you know i paid you know eight videos Mm. you know two g's each you know you you spend all this money plus the cost of recording it Mm. mastering artwork you know people don't know how to they don't know how, how to how to speak to their fans, so they don't even know how to promote online. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to alert their people that they got some new shit out, you know? And so uh, we have reached a point to where we truly can do all these things ourselves. So I think that, like, yeah, you're going to need some help because, yeah, I, I can't do all this shit by myself. I, I need somebody to help me with something so I can get do other things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I got to spend a week or two doing this, um, where I'm just not doing anything else. That's a small price to pay for number one, uh, having that direct connection with my fans, mm-hmm. being able to get them something that, you know, is unique. Uh, and then two, you know, not being so attached to a system that's so volatile. Right. 
right? Like the more you're, you're, you're attached to this music industry, which is everything else that comes with it. You know, everything between you and the fans is industry. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's yeah. the music industry. That is so true. And, and once you find a way to move all that stuff out the way and talk directly to the fans who support you, you don't need the industry anymore. Mm. You're technically not a part of it. You, you're not the, relying upon its its institutions for your success. You know, I'm not re- reliant upon blogs to write about this record for it to be a, a moral or a financial or artistic success. Mm. I don't give a fuck. Right. If they write, thank you. Appreciate y'all. I'm going to do as much press as possible, but I'm not going to define my success by that like we used to be doing. You know, mm. I'm not defining my success by whether my record is on the end cap at Amoeba or not. Right. Maybe it's there. Maybe it's not. But I'm not defining success by that. I'm defining success by what are my fans saying? Are they getting what I want to give them? And, and uh, if, if that's true and they're happy and they get this record like this is the shit, we appreciate it and we're happy, then that's all you could ask for as an independent artist. We're, well, I appreciate your time, Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, young Tavis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I hope y'all got something out of this. I mean, you know, Mad Jewels were dropped. So, you know, listen, and for all the independent artists, you know, there are ways to do this on your own and be self-employed. And remember, the employed part still exists. <laughs> when you are, when, that is very important to self-employment, the employed part. <laughs> um, so, hope y'all enjoyed it. Yeah, see y'all next week. See y'all next week. Peace. Peace. Listening to Super Duty Tough Work. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Follow the podcast on SoundCloud. Peace. Shoot, I got styles already that's more complex than nobody know about. I mean, Super Duty Tough Work. <laughs>